the spiritual bypass people on Instagram, that was me. Write your goals list, you know, you know, drag your eyeballs across the concrete and I'm more excited that it's Sunday than it's Friday kind of guy. And you were just weak. If you didn't wake up at 4 a.m., I don't care how much sleep you got, you wake up at 4 a.m., you meditate, you journal, you, you work out, you don't eat in, in, in all of these things. And I was freaking miserable, bro, miserable. And my family wasn't happy and my kids didn't know me. And I'm like, what am I doing? I do all of the things that you tell me to do and I'm miserable and I'm in shape and I'm looking good, but my wife, I'm not intimately connected with her. And I'm just like, what is this all about? And, and then I started questioning. Then I built my dream home and got my dream car and I pulled up to this place and I'm like, this is it. I got to where I wanted to go and this is it. And it really made me do a 180 in my life and start changing the way that I was showing up in my own life. Welcome to the freaking show again. Thanks for having me. I mean, this yeah. is like a year in the making from the first time we recorded. You know, it's again, but people are like, wait, we haven't seen him yet. But we actually recorded an episode a while ago. This has happened multiple times. It's actually happened with my girlfriend. We recorded an episode and then not until two years later did she actually show up. <laughs> oh, podcast. so it happens sometimes, you know, sometimes you're just like, you know what? Let's do it again. Let's do it right. So here we are again, and it's good to have you, man. Thanks for thank you so much for creating the time and the space. In in the last time we were together in person, and our lives were completely different. We didn't know each other like we did, and so now the universe is transpiring to have us here in this moment and create this magic. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. So you know, let's start off. I was like, hmm, there's a lot of many different things we could go into today, and I was thinking yeah. about what is it that we want to talk about, and I think there's. This podcast is going to be one of those where we talk about many different topics and it's going to be a tough one to name. So let's start off with, you know, something that I know you're really interested in with, which is, uh, you know, what people call the law of attraction and the so-called manifestation. And I know that you've been through a whole journey and you're not just like one of those people that is like, hey, if you think it, it'll happen. It, like, you know, there's people because there's plenty of those people online and we know that there's much more to it. So. How do you see, let's just start up right there. Well, how do you see the law of attraction and is it BS? Because a lot of people do think it's BS or you think it's placebo? No and yes. And so, <laughs> uh, my, my belief on the law of attraction is, it, it, it's, it's, it's not very complex. The law of attraction is, is if you think it, you feel it, you can believe it. There is about 3,000 layers to that though, right? And so... Yeah. When I first got introduced to, you know, Think and Grow Rich and the Law of Attraction, and it was in the early 2000s and The Secret came out, it gave me hope. And so it did exactly what it was supposed to do, but it really made me curious so I can dive even deeper. And so, yeah, and so I wrote those things down and I started writing down goals and I started really uh, trying to understand. And what it did, and I was sharing this with my wife the other day, is, is I really think that people that get into personal development and into the quantum physics and the spiritual seeking world should really get uh, like a prescription from their doctor and, and, and understand and clear their, their nervous system and their subconscious mind to the best of their ability or the doctor's ability before they try to add layers to it. And so that's really hmm. the idea. What do you mean prescription? Do you mean like pills? Yeah, I mean, no. Or what do you mean? The fact that they've <laughs> had... So the law of attraction will never work when you are trying to attract something. And so... The law of attraction, the law of assumption, none of this will actually take place. No, none of it will work if you're coming from it from a place of lack. And when you're coming, and you know this, and so when you're coming at a place of I need this or I want this, the world's going to respond to that energy and that frequency that you're putting out there. And 
realistically, it's too complex for a person that hasn't had years or, or set, like an extended period of time really researching deep into the books outside of the law of attraction. Okay, so when you say the books, because some somebody might say, just to push back, just to, just for the shit of it, somebody might say, well, law of attraction seems pretty simple because it's just, if you think it, you believe it, you'll achieve it, mm-hmm. right? So why do I need to study if that's all I got to do? You know, five percent of the conscious mind is what you're doing that from. It's the ninety-five percent or more of the subconscious mind that's actually dictating and ruling and creating the energy. And most people don't understand the cohesion that you have to be in. Your mind, your spoken word, your heart, your energy—everything has to be in alignment. And so, when I'm in lack of, when I'm in lack of something, or I'm trying to manifest something, and so you know, working with your significant other and, and understanding how I'm a generator, and, and when I worked with her. She told me, she goes, Jeremiah, you actually can't manifest anything. Did you know that? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, your job is to respond to things. And I'm like, and I had to sit with that. It took probably six months to really sit with that and try to understand at a deeper level. So everything that I think I know about the law of attraction, about about spirituality, about quantum physics, everything that I think I know is actually going to handicap me and, and keep me from learning more. So I try to remain a student. And when I say, how does it feel to manifest the, the life of my dreams or the car of my dreams. It's all about a feeling. And if I can get to the feeling, then the object will then manifest. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to my 3D body sitting here. What doesn't make sense? If I can just create the feeling, then the object will appear. Mm-hmm. So what comes first, the object or the feeling? The feeling has to come first. And if I have the feeling of doing it, isn't it just about that anyways? And then I don't even need the object. So then I'm signaling to the universe that I already have it, and then it'll come in droves. It'll, it'll come in full force at me. Yeah, I see it like an algorithm. Like if you're on social media, you're just scrolling. If you're just consistently feeling a certain way about certain content, and you, you'll continue to watch it, Yes. then the algorithm just kind of sends it your way. Do you know what and I, I mean? And I, yeah, I like that. I mean, I like the targeted ads. I like those kinds of things because it gives me and it feeds me what I want. You yeah. know, and so there's there's so many other layers that go into that, like the dopamine effect and, and the short videos that uh, that controls your attention span and it can take your dopamine and shoot it through the roof and I have an expectation and and it's a re- I know it's a resentment waiting to happen and I'm like, well, if I have don't have resentments, how do I get excited? And I'm like, all of these things are distractions to keep me out of the present moment. If I'm out of the present moment, I'm not even really in time. And does time even exist? And I'm like, wait a minute here. Am I starting to, every time I get to the moment where I think I'm starting to understand something, something new that I never understood before, any concepts like your book, some of the concepts and theories in your books, in your book, and that's how I got introduced to you was I found you on TikTok and I never go on TikTok. And then I found I don't you go and on TikTok I ordered, anymore either. Really. And then I found your book and then I texted you and I messaged you on Instagram. And that's how we got connected. And so it added another layer, another dimension to it, which now changed the way I view reality. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to just hint at what you're saying. To me, I feel like the gist kind of is that if your nervous system is shot and you're in this fight or flight, how are you going to be able to feel any sort of emotion that is even close to uh, the thing that you want to so-called manifest? And, and so it's almost as though, yeah, these are great concepts, but if I'm still barely surviving, then it's not going to matter until I get my shit together, kind of physically. And that's what a lot of spiritual people love to do, especially in that 
spirituality and and um you know they try to take quantum physics and use it as a spiritual thing when it can be sometimes but a lot of people are just doing what you're saying on Instagram just they heard it from someone else on Instagram and they're regurgitating it and I bet you 90% of the people in the spirits community that use the word quantum could not even name a single thing about <laughs> real quantum physics or any history of where it's from because they just hear it and it sounds cool it's like quantum bro that's in the Marvel movies that shit sounds cool <laughs> And it makes it sound smart, and and that right. that's, that was what I was talking about with the uh, prescription of you should be able to understand that concept in theory because what you're really doing is hurting the, the actual people doing the work, and and, yeah. and then you're giving it a bad name, and then you're seizing and it's and it's spoiling it for everyone when you're not a, really able to let go and let let the universe transpire in your favor. And I only know this, bro, because I've been there and I've been there so many times and it's just another layer. And I'm not putting myself anywhere on a spectrum. All I know is for the longest time I had spiritual bypass and I thought I could, I thought I could affirmation my way to become, and I thought I could figure a way out to just, just fake this. And you, you're never going to fake the universe. Right. It knows because that's why people that say act as if it's still acting. And you could say that the universe, you can still tell that you're acting. Like, because acting implies that it's not real, right? It's it's fake. And so anytime and I so hear people say that. Yeah. There's the be until you become is the other side of that, right? And so if you, if you instead of don't fake it till you make it, be until you become. And, and if I'm trying to be something besides me, it's still acting again. Well, see, here's the thing, though. I think that. This concept can be very helpful, even if it's not even about law of attraction. If you just think about the concept of I'm going to be it until I become it, that actually can be really helpful to someone who's just like really struggling. And they're like, okay, if I was a millionaire, which is something you've achieved, what are some things that you do? You've got the hyperbaric chamber behind you. You've got the friggin', you know, you're doing all of the biohacking and they're like, okay, this is the type of person I want to be. Let me be that now. And even if law of attraction is full of shit, I'm still doing these things that help me. I'm still taking these actions that are kind of closer than, you know, just scrolling on social media, doing nothing. And it will still get me there quicker than not doing it. You know, even if the law of attraction is bullshit. So I do think that it can still be helpful to think and be the type of person that you want to be and use that every day. But I think it can start to get into this kind of mysticism, spirituality, and then it turns into hogwash. And then you're right, it does throw a bad name on it. And I see that, especially even in the channeling community. I think the channeling community has has totally, <laughs> they've totally ruined the concept of channeling uh, for the most part in general. For anyone, to, for anyone to believe it, that's outside of the community of it, it's, there's no shot. Because they've made it such a thing where anyone can come, can, Basically say, you know, it's just the nature of channeling, but since there's no integrity is what I'm saying, they can just make it, oh, well, I can channel. Uh, God just told me. <laughs> and anyone can say that. Nobody can refute it. And then so everybody's saying that. And it it's cool. Like, it's that's the thing I think we're getting at here is like, I think there's a, at, at the human psychology level, there's a level of lack i'm not good enough i'm not worthy as i am so i hear these buzzwords on instagram or wherever i'm taking in information and they sound cool and i want to be like them so i'm just going to talk like they do and without doing the work to study the history or without doing the inner work to go through the emotions of lack and so i think the 
there's two aspects of that. Like, because the quantum, it's like, okay, yeah, these people don't understand the quantum. You should do your research on that before you talk about things in general. But also, you're probably traumatized and you're stuck in fight or flight and you're just trying to do things to make make it or make money or, you know, get whatever you want to get in the, mm. in the agenda underneath. You know, that's how I feel. What do you think about that? No, I bro, spot on. That was spot on. And most people's norm or what they're set their bar at it's they only know from there. And so when I started to really, I call it mature, my spiritual, um, my spiritual self, I started to understand that, and politics really pointed it out with, with the, the last presidential race, right? Everybody has their own truths. And so we, we used to be in a society where facts would, over, would always win over opinions. And now we're in a society that opinions, and anybody that has a phone can have opinions, and if they have followers, they're, they're, they have opinions that override facts. And, and these are universal concepts. And so when, when, I can, when I started to understand that that's their truth, and I'm not going to ever be able to change their truth because it's true to them. And, and I had to understand, I had to come from a space, which means I had to open my window of tolerance. I had to open my heart to say, I don't have to be right all the time. And when I did that, that's when I really started to feel, I don't channel. When, when I'm deep into breath work or into a, a healing session, I hear my own voice. And I hear my own voice tell me things. And, and it's my intuition. And it's, it, it's, it's connecting to me. And it's connecting to the groundingness of the world and the universe and the earth. And, 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 and my ancestry, my, my, my cells are billions of years old inside my body. And if I can trust in that, I don't need to worry about, and then, and then mm -hmm. there, you know, then comes then comes the ego, right? And then the ego wants to start, you know, calling the shots and pulling these things up. And it's really the the understanding and comprehension for my internal peace that um, I have always been, always will be, um, and have now and always will be okay. And so when I can calm myself down, man, one of the hardest journeys of my entire life was was looking in and and understanding who I was as a man and how I functioned in this world. Because my process was so scarred by the by the world, by my parents, by every every external source, every book that I've read formed my opinion of what I thought it was. And man, when I started to just say, "Hey, what if it was another way? What if 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 it was a little bit different than I perceived?" And then I really started to open it up, and I'm, I'm talking tens of thousands of doors started to open up, and I got to go back and revisit and have different conversations with different people from a different point of view. And that's where my maturity and my growth really started to, to, to skyrocket. Yeah. Man. You know, while you were talking, I had to look up this quote because what you were saying was something that uh, it was a really powerful qu quote that directly relates to this. And it's by Nietzsche, who is a famous philosopher of the past of antiquity. And he said, all things are subject to interpretation. Whichever interpretation prevails at a given time is a function of power not truth. And I think that's really important. Your point there, just the understanding that we're, it's not just, you know, the Ben Shapiro facts, don't care about your feelings, doesn't seem to be as prevalent as it was even like five years ago, right? Now, it, back then it was like, okay, these are, this is what's true and this is what's not. And I think our society seemed to understand, okay, truth is more important than how you feel. And that's not really where we're at as much anymore. And 
that is what's causing a lot of these issues is that I'll even get pushback if I push back on these. People are like saying, you should, you should just let them do what they want to do. And it's like, people are also really scared to just call people out and say how you feel and to have to be, you know, the villain to some people. But you're, that's to, archetypically throughout history, there had to be people who called out what was wrong. You know, going all the way back to Plotinus, right? The Neoplatonists in antiquity, back in um, the ancient cultures, you had him calling out Gnosticism because he was like, Gnosticism is such BS. He wrote a whole a whole tangent about how and why it's wrong. And so these philosophers of the ancient past have called out, and people forget. They think that the philosophers were just like, okay, this is what's true. No, a lot of times they would refute the falsehoods of that time. And I think that people are afraid to do that because they're afraid to not be liked because then it comes back to, again, what we were talking about. It's like people are afraid to, uh, they have some sort of insecurity. So therefore, if you haven't done the research, you're not going to want to call people out, right? You're just trying to, if you're in a fight or flight, you're just going to want to make some money. <laughs> you're just going to want to get yourself taken care of. So by any means necessary. And so, yeah, I'm not saying that I'm on some sort of high horse either. Because I'm not. But you've I mean, done the research. You've done I'm, the research. Right. And I've just been, I'm just a guy who's taken the time to look at what actually does quantum physics have to say? You know, what does history have to say about empires falling and rising? And what did philosophers of the past have to say as well? And so, you know, that's why one of the major things I tell people to do now is go look at the history of so-called new age. Go like, go research it. And you'll see that a lot of these things that people are saying on Instagram spirituality are the same things that people were saying in the 80s of like, yeah, they're all going to save us. And it's just the religious overtones of Christianity coming over. And they're like, instead of God saving us, actually, it's ETs. Yep. <laughs> so it just you're transferring kind of the same process of a savior coming to save us in Everyone wants to be the elect, right? Uh, who doesn't want to? And also with the star seeds, I mean, I guess we're on a tangent now, but Love with, it. The, Let's go roll. <laughs> with the star seeds, it's like, I see people saying, you're a star seed if you feel like you're not from here. And I'm also at the same time, I'm like, who wants to be from here? <laughs> who would, who would willingly say, yeah, I'm from here and uh, all this atrocities on this planet. Yeah. I all, uh, this was all me. Like, nobody wants to take responsibility. Yep. Everybody's just like, yeah, I, I don't want to be from here. Let me be Let me be from somewhere else. Well, it could be true. You could actually be, but I think it's just like overgeneralizing and using very simple things to kind of dupe people because a lot of people are hurt from Christianity. A lot of people are you know, feeling trauma from Christianity. And in the West, I mean, there are other things in the East, I'm sure, but that was kind of part of my journey was coming out of Christianity and feeling like, well, this isn't the truth. And then you're just kind of in this open space to be manipulated because I think it comes back down to logic, right? In Christianity and in religion, a lot of times you're not using logic or critically thinking as much, right? Because more intuitive, it's the other side of the brain. And so as you move, you're moving into a space of like, this is still illogical, all the spiritual stuff. So you're still not critically thinking. When I think Somewhere in there, if we can kind of do both and you use the ability to sometimes critically think about what is this person saying, but then also, like you're saying, go within, 
And you don't have to critically think because that will stop you from connecting. So it's this weird kind of balance and tightrope act that we have to do, you know? And, and really, there's there maybe 1% to 2% of the population that doesn't get triggered by it. So first off, I have to figure out a way to not get triggered by whatever you say to me. And yeah. whether it's right or wrong, if I can't get triggered, yeah. then I can form an, a, a, an educated assumption based upon the facts that I know that are true. And then I can help you. Whether, whether you see my point of view or not, it's like if I seek to understand who you are and why you think the way that you do, you can think Christianity, you can do it. But I mean, at the end of the day, I firmly believe that love can solve all of that. And so we're in this, this time-space reality that we're in right here and right now. We don't know where it goes, but we do know it's infinite and, and it never ends. And the vastness of that, when we, when we really sit back to look at how our creator or energy, whatever you want to call it, created all of this, something who knows what and why, and I don't know if we'll ever know, but I do know when we, when we leave this space that energy can't be destroyed, right? It can only be transferred, created, destroyed, transferred. I mean, you tell me. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can prove it, but every time they prove something, isn't it like three to 10 to 12 years or 30 years later, they, they, they disprove it? I don't know if science ever uses the word prove because they know, like I was listening to Donald Hoffman talk, uh, on like the Lex Friedman podcast, which is a fantastic episode. I recommend anyone go listen to that. And he's talking about this type of thing. And he says, Hey, I don't ever say my theories are true. I don't even believe my own theories. I just say, Hey, this is currently what we understand about the universe and it could definitely change. So you're right. They do. There will be a time where scientists realize this is our best theory, but if you can give me something better, we can change. And so I think that's true science, but sometimes it does turn dogmatic. Like, yeah, we proved it. But I, I think that when you look at scientists at, at the high level, they're not really saying prove because I don't use the word prove either because we don't know anything for sure. Yeah. That's wild. And so if we don't know anything for sure is what we do know is that everything's subject to change and everything will change. And so <laughs> when I can have peace at that and not knowing what is true or false? Like, what, how can I actually get mad? How can I get upset? And so that's just a 3D way of thinking. And if I want to really expand my, my, my view and, and, and the way it actually shows up in my own personal reality, I, I have the time I'm sitting with friends or my wife or my kids and I'm like, is any of this even real? And that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a scary place to be sometimes when I'm sitting there. I'm like, are you guys actually here or is this just something that i have an illusion that you're here and if it is an illusion why am i allowing myself to get so emotionally involved and back back when i first got into this work there's a church uh, that's in my area and, and the guy that started it was best friends with wayne dyer and so I got access to like Deepak Chopra when I was a kid. And, and so just being around those, I had no idea anything. I shouldn't say I was a kid. I was like 20 years old. And, and, and I, got, I started seeing these guys and what they were doing and, their, and the way that they talked about the universe. So I always had this spark going off. And, and I sat back and I'm, how can I find peace and love and my little bit of impact in this world today, how can I show up better and become a better human? And so before it was about things and manifesting. And, and I remember having a conversation with you, bro. And it was, it was I, I just got done reading, I think part of one of your, one, your book. And, and then we started talking, we had, a, we had a conversation about the law of assumption. And I'm like, aren't you supposed to not make assumptions? I mean, Don, Don Luis said, we shouldn't make the assumptions. That's one of the agreements, right? Right, yeah. Yep. And, so, and so, and we had that long discussion about, it's a, there's a difference when it comes to making assumptions around people and opinions and, 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 and um, theories versus making assumptions and knowing that things are going to take place in your life. That's huge. Uh, it's, that's a huge point. And what you, <laughs> to go back to what you said at the beginning, you're like, 
is everything going to change? It's like, welcome to Buddhism. Because <laughs> that's yeah. what Buddhism is. That's like the core tenet of Buddhism. Everything is impermanence. And they say nothing, you know, the Hindu perspective is like, there's a creator, you, the Brahmin. Buddhism throws it all out and it says everything is change. And so the Eastern religions have kind of, I don't, even, I don't even know if I call it a religion, but Eastern perceptions, traditions have thought that for thousands of years. Everything is change. And so, uh, but yeah, I think there is a difference. We can see benefit. To me, I'm come to, I've come to the point in my life where I'm just looking at what has, I did a podcast actually a while ago when I was in California with Flynn Skidmore. He's a great guy. And one of the things he stuck out in all the podcasts I've done was this concept of what has utility. It was like what we started the podcast with. I was like, we were talking about life and the cameras were just rolling. And he just started talking about, you know, I'm interested in, in what has utility in my life. And what, I'm like, well, what does that mean? Well, what can I actually apply to my life that has benefit to me mm, and to the world? That's deep. And that's what the whole podcast was about. It was very similar to this episode. And it was about, okay, how can I apply this, that concept to this conversation? Well, utility of assumption is assuming that me assuming that I'm the type of person who does these things will only benefit me if it's getting me out of addictions or things that are I know that are generally not healthy, whether it's food addiction, whether it's drinking, whether it's whatever it might be. There's plenty of them out there, right? Absolutely. And so I've struggled with my own addictions in the past and for me, it's been food. I didn't really have too many struggles with alcohol or with um, any sort of smoking. It was, you know, my dad smoked growing up, but he smoked cigarettes. And I told myself I would never, ever smoke a cigarette because I was just so disgusted by it. And so I never have. I like cigars. I really do enjoy a cigar, but... With that coat, I can see that. <laughs> hey, man, it fits, doesn't it? It fits. Beautiful. Yeah. So I... I really am looking at the value of just a belief or not even a belief, a way of perceiving the world. And so if, again, going back to if, if it's all BS, if there is no field, if the field doesn't care what you're doing, it's all about kind of what we see, the hyper-masculinity of effort in our society, and especially since Andrew has come around, our boy Andrew, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> who everybody should know who I'm talking about. And he was very much about effort. So even if that if even if he's correct, let's just assume that for a second, then it would make sense for you to assume you're the type of person who does the things that get you to where you want to go. And you'll look at many successful figures throughout history, or even athletes, they're assuming, in to some respect, that they're going to make it, or they're assuming that this is who they are now, and these are the actions that they take. And so, basically, there's levels to it. And I think, going back to your point, is that I think a lot of people are kind of trying to skip the ground level. And that's something that you've not done, which is actually physical health. You know, you've been someone who I have witnessed who has been dedicated to physical health. And, you know, you're the, you have the most wild equipment <laughs> that I've ever seen out of anyone. So, yes. dude, let's go in a little bit to what's been going on with your physical stuff and in, in health, because I know you're really passionate about that. And I find it really interesting. 
I do. And that, and that, that, you know, you can get instant utility with that. And so when it comes to, when it comes to plant medicine and things like that, because of my sobriety, I was a heroin addict and, and that was part of my story. So my, you know, my, I, I smoked cigarettes, I drank, I did pills, I did all of that. And so one of the, before I met you, the, the book Power Verse Force taught me a lot about how I, I love 12 steps, love what they did in my life. I'm highly involved, have recovery homes, and it's part of a huge part of what I do. However, it misses out on a major part of, of the healing process. And I never went back and really looked at it. And so in the 12 steps, basically, you know, get the honesty, open mind, and willingness. You come in and you create this, um, this, this way that you, you, you find God, clean house, help others, and you get stuck on the help other parts, which is extremely fulfilling. But if you step away from the helping, usually you start to slip back instead of going back and healing. So I'm heavily involved in the, this community, right? And I came to the assumption myself that addiction is more of a trauma response than a disease. And, so, and, I, and, and I get a lot of flack from that. I really, truly do. And so if you, can, if, you, if you can label something a disease, you can profit from it and you can build insurance companies and, and our system and all of your listeners know this, so I'm, I'm not afraid to say this. Our system is set up to keep us sick and to keep us not healed. And so if we heal, then we're no longer patients. And if we're no longer patients, they can no longer bill us. And I, have, I, pay, out the, I, I pay a ton of money for health insurance. And everything that I do health-wise, besides, I besides the, <laughs> besides I the dentist, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's to keep me out of bankruptcy. And so we have young kids and, and to make sure. But all of our stuff is preventative. And the insurance companies won't cover anything preventative. Yeah. Ever. And so I, my wife got postpartum depression. Mallory got postpartum depression really bad. And it was after our first child. He'll be nine next week. And so she went on a trek and ended up getting on stage and doing uh, fitness competitions. And so I was the significant other. I had, you know, settled in my life with cargo pants with stretchy um, you know, they had like the stretchy sides and I, I just, you know, assumed dad life at that point. And, and then she became this, this world-class fitness competitor. And I'm like, well, maybe I should kind of get in shape. And, and she never told me to. And so I hired her trainer and I started getting on this, you know, it was about, it was about eight years ago when I dropped, I, I ended up losing, I went from like 218 to 162. My neighbors were like, Hey, are, are you okay? I look sick because how much weight that I dropped. And I just, I, I finally felt good. I felt healthy. And that's when I started you know, doing two water, two gallons of water a day and, and really, yeah, I drink a lot of water. I love, I'm, I'm, a, I'm addicted to it. I, I love water. And, and so I've had every addiction, by the way, between everything that you can imagine that, I, so my drug of choice and my addiction is more period. They're like, what do you do? I'm more, just give me more. If it makes me feel, so it used to be, if it makes me feel different, good, because I, I didn't like who I was. I had trapped energy. I had trapped traumas. I had all these emotional issues. I didn't know how to uh, express myself. I didn't know any of these things all my entire life. I mean, until about five years ago. And so when I started really understanding it and, and, and starting eating and, and nourishing this meat suit with, with n- nutritions that it actually needed and reaching out to these individuals, I mean, I, I, I'm a huge advocate of getting blood work done. So I go get my blood work done every two to three months. And I want to know where my levels are. I, I'm, we just ordered the human sequence, uh, this, the sequence thing. We've done the ancestry, the DNA. We've done everything that we can to, to, to increase the, the longevity of my life. I, I train seven days a week. I get it, guys. I know it's not healthy for me. I get it. I do it for more of a mental state. I really enjoy lifting weights. I do the, I mean, 
rice, chicken, and broccoli three times a day. I do splurge at the end of my day. I do like sweets. I do like sugars. That's my like one of those things that I don't really want to get. Yeah, when we were in Austin, I remember you guys were getting <laughs> getting some. What was it? I I don't know. There was a health shop we were gonna go to. What was that called? Do you remember? Oh, we did. Yeah, we ended up going. Yeah, you couldn't make it. It was um alive and well. It's next door to yeah. alive and well. It's uh. What's his face owns it? Um, yeah, <laughs> Khalil. Khalil. It's uh, yes. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no, that's fine. And so yeah, and so we do. But they're, I mean, they have thirty dollars shakes. It's crazy. And he, great human. I love the guy. He's got a good. I'm pretty sure he's got a podcast as well. And so then I just started getting curious, and I started asking myself. So I've done NAD plus therapy. Um, I, I I've done hyperbaric chambers right behind me. Um, we're getting into stem cells. I just am really intrigued by the quality of my life. And, and so Mallory and I, um, we do, you know, breath work. We're breath work practitioners. We have our mastermind. And so we, we, all, we really want to, I'm tweaking the three to 5% um, is where it started. And now it's like the half percent. What can I do a little bit differently? The number one health hack that you can possibly have is sleep. You get proper sleep. You get the proper water. You're two thirds of the way there. Another third of the way there is you're going to be the food that you're putting in your body. And so, I mean, we have a cold plunge. I have an infrared sauna, the, the hyperbaric chamber. And these are things that I used to do. And so for up to about three years ago, I would do those as a checklist. The spiritual bypass people on Instagram, that was me. Write your goals list. You know, you know, drag your eyeballs across the concrete. And I'm more excited that it's Sunday than it's Friday kind of guy. And you were just weak. If you didn't wake up at 4 a.m., I don't care how much sleep you got. You wake up at 4 a.m., you meditate, you journal, you, you work out, you don't eat, and, and, and all of these things. And I was freaking miserable, bro, miserable. And my family wasn't happy, and my kids didn't know me. And I'm like, what am I doing? That, what, what, I do all of the things that you tell me to do, and I'm miserable. And I'm in shape and I'm looking good, but my wife, I'm not intimately connected with her. And I'm just like, what is this all about? And, and then I started questioning. Then I built my dream home and got my dream car. And I pulled up to this place and I'm like, this is it. I got to where I wanted to go and this is it. And it really made me do a 180 in my life and start changing the way that I was showing up in my own life. Yes. Woo. <laughs> Man. That is wild. So yes. where do you think in that kind of health space the emotional state fits in there? Because we've been talking about that. Because you said you said two thirds is water and, and sleep third, yeah. and then a third. So where <laughs> because a lot of call, people will make the too. argument that you people are getting sick or they have issues health wise because of their emotional kind of state. And you know, that's a lot of Joe Dispenza's work. You know, and so I'm not saying, I, I know you've been into it, his work before, but I'm just curious as to what your thoughts are on emotions. I think emotions have more to do with it than anything, to be honest with you. I think emotional intelligence is what our world is lacking more than anything else. And so, and I'm not talking about, because I mean, two thirds of the world or more is walking around unconscious of their attitudes, actions, and beliefs. They just say, this is the way it's always been. And this is generational, right? And so uh, to be able to handle your own emotions, I think, and I took this from a coach that I had, she said, real freedom. And so my core values, my two core values, growth and freedom. Mallory's is kindness and compassion. So we kind of have to bring them all together because we're in this union together. And so teaching our kids, 
And so my, my son wants to play Roblox or get all these things. And I got these financial literacy cards and I'm like, okay, if you want this, this is what you're going to learn. And my son can tell you all about compound interest and all this. And he's, and he's about to turn nine. And so that for me is freedom. Well, freedom is, is relief or, or space from automatic reactions. And so that Victor Frankel, he got credit for it, but I believe he was in the say, the one that said it. And he said between a reaction and how, how does it go? It says between stimulants and response, there's space between the two of those. And the more space that I can have, I don't take it personal. And so the minute that I show up and, and my wife says something to me, we, we, the big buzzwords are triggered, right? You mm-hmm. triggered me. Well, what does triggered even mean? That I had an emotional response to some person, place, or thing around me that I felt was unacceptable. And so I'm going to allow what? That means your nervous system. And so we know we're electromagnetic human beings. My nervous system is what fires that. And so when my chakras are starting to get all out of whack because the energy and the electricity in my body, again, emotion is trying to tell me something, to show me something. So E, energy, motion, moving. So this energy is trying to do something and it's getting blocked. And when that stuff gets blocked, that's what creates disease. And that's really what, in my opinion, Joe Dispenza's work is about, is we got to figure out how to move these things. And when we get in true alignment and cohesion with who we are, that stuff's going to flow through us. And now we're just a conduit for everything in our life to flow through. And I'm not going to be in resistant to it. So the world, energy, money, everything is, is, is fluid. It's moving constantly. And so people say, well, this guy is a bad guy and he's got tons of wealth. I'm not saying that there's exceptions to the rules. But what I am saying is if I'm not able to clean out my closet and then when people come to me and I can open and, and you know, they call it holding space, right? And, and being able to, to not be reactive and being able to be there and be present. I'm a fixer. I get all my value in life by my wife coming to me with her problems and I'm going to solve the world. And I wondered how my marriage was not, and this is years ago, not, not I just, my, she doesn't want me to fix her. She's not broken. How can you fix something that's not broken? All she wants me to do is understand and validate her emotions and feelings. I might think it's absolutely crazy, but it's in her real world. And my job isn't to, and even with my kids and, and their emotions and their feelings and my team at work and anybody or everybody, if I can handle, I can do nothing about your emotions. I mean, if I'm not an asshole to you, you know, you probably won't get triggered by me. And I'm not talking about being passive either. And that's really good. That's why I love our boy, Andrew and, 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 and being able to, he says it for what it is. And Jordan Peterson and all these guys that are, wait a minute here. Like this isn't, whether you believe in those guys or not, they have good and bad. But if I'm not going to be triggered by them and I'm not going to be triggered by the AOC and her and all their, their stuff, and I can hold space for my own feelings and my own emotional responsibility and my own maturity, I can then, I then have a glimpse and a hope to be present for your emotions. So where do you see masculinity in this? Man, I love masculinity work. So tell me how that kind of went for you and where you think the balance is. Is, is it more you know, because a lot of masculinity stuff is about basically doing everything that you said, which is making millions of dollars, having a checklist, getting up at 4 a.m., getting your shit done. And do you think, why do you think that didn't work for you? And where do you think the role of masculinity kind of still fits into your life? Or does it not? I mean, I'm not going to assume. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Power versus force, right? And so it, it is very forceful, right, to do things. Where is it powerful? And so to thy own self be true. 
And so what worked for me at this level of consciousness right now wouldn't have worked back then. I would have told that guy he was a wimp, except I'm showing up more powerful in my marriage, in my, in my relationships and in my company today than I ever have. But what I did is I started to change my perception on it. So one of the most masculine men in that I get the opportunity to hang out with, their wives make more money than they do. And so a lot of men can't handle that and it demasculates them. And so I have to then check in with myself and say, if my wife went out and made $10 million next year, would I be okay? Could I still be married to her? And I would have, uh, those are deep reflective questions to me because in my role in my marriage now, I'm the breadwinner. And so we all have our roles in our relationship. And so it, it works a little bit differently for everybody. But what I know is when I was then, I was searching for something outside of me. And that creates a vacuum and a void inside of my heart. And I believe that's where my masculine energy is going to be. And so when I was trying to prove something, to buy things, to be somebody, to impress somebody that I didn't even like, to hide from the image of me being afraid and scared, I was afraid to go in and see those shadows. So when I, what happened is, is one of the biggest issues that I see with masculine energy in this problem, in this world is purpose. And so when we don't have a purpose that's bigger than us and bigger than our relationships or bigger than our lust or our sexual desire to connect with the female, when we don't have a purpose that's bigger than that, that's going to continue to roll our life, the feminine or the wounded feminine will then come in and, and witness that. And then they'll show up in an imbalance. We all have you know, the yin and the yang. And so it doesn't matter what you identify, he, she, the, it doesn't matter. We all have both of those inside of us. And so a lot of men that show up ultra-masculine ultra in their lives usually have a hurt feminine inside of them or, or, or vice versa. And, and so I've seen all of the roles play out. So in me, in my role, is I really truly think of the picture frame, right? And the artwork is the feminine, but I have to heal and be okay with who I am. I can be very feminine, but I can also make the right decisions. A lot of the stuff that I'm really, truly in this moment working on, Nick, is I like to say the word sure. I have to cut that out from my vocabulary. My wife or my kids will say, hey, do you want to go do this? And I say, sure. And I have to cut that out completely. It's yes or no. And that was really, really um, a, a pivotal point in my life. When I stopped cutting, when I stopped using the word sure, and I, and I started having more distinct direction on where I wanted to go. And people are so afraid to make mistakes and they're so afraid. And, and I'm like, they're like, well, what if it doesn't work? And I'm like, but what if it does? It could just equally work in this way as it did in this way. And so I've suffered from, you know, Dr. Glover talks about it a lot. Um, no, uh, Mr. Nice Guy and, and Nice Guy Syndrome my whole life. And, and trying to appease people and, 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 and make people happy. And, and it's all an illusion to try to validate myself as okay. And when I, stopped giving, when I stopped giving that attention and started really focusing on myself, again, years ago, okay, 4 a.m., check, 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 check. I never, I thought about the feeling, but I never actually felt it. And I, and I never realized how the emotions, I was never paid attention to. So I never was able to be in my body to say, Jeremiah, how does that feel? And what does Jeremiah really desire? And then when I started really focusing on that and prioritizing that while honoring my wife and kids and saying, this is what dad needs. This is what, this is what Jeremiah needs. I need to be with my friends in the woods on my mountain bike. And, and I need to fully be there and so when I started paying attention to where my feet are, and that's where I am, I'm not worried about what else is going on in my house right now. I'm worried about being with Nick in this moment. And that's when my life started to really started to take effect.
Okay, so there's a lot of masculinity stuff out there right now. There's a lot of pushback because I think there is an attack on it. I do. I oh, really bro. Think. Biggest I, attack. Serious. Yes. So I'm not trying to say by any means that masculinity is bad. I think masculinity is a needed thing and without it, a society will crumble because there has to be some sort of figures that know how to protect, that know how to critically think, that know how to not only just feel, but when they need to, sometimes you might have to use logic over feelings. And I think that that's okay at certain points, but I think we're so over the topness of like Andrew, for example, would be that it's so suppressive of your emotions that you just end up boiling over and you can't maintain. I'm not sure how he does. And I'm not sure if it's just a facade or mask that he puts on. Um, but I definitely respect some of the things that he said. I think some of the things are crazy that he said. And I think that about um, a lot of different public figures. And so I do think it's helpful, though, the message of, hey, we need to get things done. We need to understand logically what's going to help us in the world. And we need to do it. And we need to do it now, no matter what our feelings have to say about it. But then at other times, you're going to be like, okay, I can still feel this. I can still feel this. And on top of feeling this, I can feel the sense, because that's Dr. Hawkins' work, right? I can feel the sensation in my body, but yet I can still take actions that are beneficial to me, even when I might be feeling sadness within. Because really, if we're talking about emotions from Dr. Hawkins' perspective, emotions are just essentially feelings, energy in the body that if you feel the sensation, whatever the thoughts say is something else. That's a mind game. But the sensation in the body is what really we're talking about here. And so I don't think it's all about not feeling feelings all the time, but I do think it's about, you know, if you need to take a stand, you take a stand with logic and, and reasoning. Okay. That's okay at times, but then other times you also want to make sure you bring back your well-roundedness. It's like picking and choosing sometimes as a man we have to do because we might be at the forefront of an attack or in, in these days it's mentally, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of debating and there's a lot of ideas going back and forth, but it doesn't have to be an argument. And that's one thing too. Everything now turns into an argument because people don't want to think logically. People want to think about how they feel, and then how they feel has such a charge to it that they start just getting angry when you disagree. And so if we were all intellectually and logically able to have a conversation, then I don't think we would be where we were today. But there's a, always going to be some people who are not there. Oh, well, I don't know about always, but in our society now, hopefully in 100 years, we can eventually move into kind of this stage where we've transcended a lot of these things of that our society is dealing with as a whole, which is, you know, maybe this not inability to critically think, right, on, on a general scale. Yep. And, and so that's kind of how I feel about masculinity. I think it's needed, but at sometimes it can be almost so much that we suppress everything and then we end up getting into the, we turning into the opposite of what we actually want it to be. That's actually the opposite of masculinity. Like you can't suppress your feelings. The, the, the realest, truest men can feel their emotions and feelings. And they don't react until they get to the other side of the emotion. I'm feeling a feeling, I'm feeling sad. Well, I'm, well, well now my body feels sad. And Hawkins is 100% right, but 
emotions are our friends. They're there to tell us something isn't right. So your significant other, right? She tells me I have to respond for my sacral. Well, if I don't have clear energy to get to that, I have to get to the other side of it. The problem is, 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 is the toxic, and I hate that word, the, me, the, 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 the I'm going to say it this way, the misdirected or the traumatized masculine energy when we're trying to get the acceptance and approval of others, and I've been there, and I still get there tries to then react and start a fight that hasn't that doesn't need to be fought because you haven't been including me to the other side of the emotion and when i get to the other side of the emotion when i'm no longer charged and i can still feel the emotion but i can responsibly have a conversation with it and i can bring it to my significant other so real true marriage and real true uh, long relationships i'm not saying divorce is a good or bad thing if it's there i've seen both sides of it and i've worked with hundreds of men in my, in, my, in, in my coaching slash um, mentorship career where men will come to me and, and they don't know how to feel at all. And everything's logical and analytical in their brain. And they, don't, they can't feel from here down. And they just, they just get this, this drive in the, the seeking of being validated by worldly things and goals and ambitions is the coolest thing in the world because it keeps you out of your body and you can never be present. And the world reward you for it. So the minute I have a feeling, I don't know how to feel it. And so then your significant other or your, your, your children are coming to you. And if you don't know how to feel, how can you possibly hold space for their emotions? You don't know how to feel. And the, and the thing is, is nobody ever taught us. And if somebody's not going to teach us how to do it, how do how, we're just expected as men to do certain things. But now the women are doing all of those things. And it's like, well, now I don't even feel important. And that's why... Suicide is so high, and 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 all a lot of all of my work really goes to understanding. Because when I had my panic attack, I knew for the first time in my life why people commit suicide. For the first time in my life, and I know I've had this conversation with you. I'm like, oh, I get it. They feel this feeling and can't get rid of it, and that's why this work is so damn important. And I truly think that everything that you do in your book, in the spiritual world, and all of this is just getting us to get a deeper understanding of what real life on life's terms can be. And I think that's an extremely healing thing. Finding that middle ground. Yeah, Yeah. I think a lot of people say, think masculinity is kind of the stoicism right and not letting any feelings in so that's why i say in terms of what do most people think as masculinity it's not feeling any feelings it's just doing because that's what it seems to be the prevalent thing is and when that is then a lot of people are going to try and knock it so yeah i think there there can be this space of i can allow things to come through because it's funny that a lot of these people who are talking about you know you see people like andrew let's say he'll talk about freedom we've got to escape We've, we need freedom. But if you don't feel your feelings, then you're always a kind of, you're not free of your emotions, right? You're a slave. You are still not free. If you can't sit with however you're feeling and you have to keep, keep shutting it down, that's not freedom, right? It's just a different type of freedom, right? And so I think there also might be different points in someone's life where certain things are going to be more beneficial, like someone who can barely survive and is like barely paying bills, sometimes you might have to just 
I don't care about my feelings right now. I just need to get a job. I just need to go in. And even yeah. though I don't want to, my mind is I'm feeling this way. I need to have this. And so I think there is just a, a lack of stability that oftentimes is needed to provide for yourself or your family. And so then I think what we're talking about is kind of that next stage. Maybe you have enough in the bank to you where you're, you're no longer kind of in this fight or flight. And now it's like, well, how can I just be, reach my potential as a human? So I don't think it's necessarily the same for everyone. There's different levels. So at the beginning, you might just need to have some stoicism and really get to work and dial it in. Then you realize, oh, this is really toxic. Because if you don't dial it in, you might not survive. So you got to make sure you're surviving. 100%. You survive first. And then we can see, you know, what are these teachings and do they work? You know? No, that's extremely, I couldn't agree more. And when you get this, the hierarchy of needs. And so, you know, food, water, shelter, those kinds of things, once those come in there, but there's still a masculine way you can handle that. And so I don't care who you are, what walk of life you came from. I will always, so when we hire people at my companies, we hire for attitude and attitude attitude and aptitude, never for skills and ability. I would much rather work with somebody that has a good attitude and has the willingness to show up. I don't care what your skills or abilities, if you're homeless or not. A lot of my guys that I hire are homeless when they come to me and, and, and I can help you, but they have to be willing to take the help. And so no matter where you are, there's a way that you're going to go take handouts or there's the one that's going to say, I will live. I don't care what I have to do. And they, and a lot of those guys revert, revert to crime. And that might be the masculine thing to do at the time, but whatever they have to do to provide for their family. I hear men all the time with this end of the world apocalypse and I'm just going to get a bunch of bullets and I'll just go take what I need. And I don't think that's the answer. But when it comes to, to being able to be in true alignment and, and with Andrew and, and all the stuff that he does and says, I believe there's a fight that needs to be fought. You just have to know that you're in the right fight and everybody's fight's going to look a little bit different. But when I'm willing to, it, it, it's kind of like they, they say, um, if you don't have any, how does it go? If you don't have any beliefs or if you don't, you'll fall for anything. How's that saying go? If you don't have any, I forget how it goes. Uh, I actually pulled up, I pulled up your, early, the earlier quote you had by Viktor Frankl. I, I, uh, in the meantime, yeah, go ahead. you were saying it earlier, but this is the full quote between stimulus and response. There is a space in that space is our power to choose our response in our response lies our growth and our freedom. So that's what, that's what you were getting at earlier, right? And I think that's real freedom. And so my core value was freedom. It was always about financial freedom. And, 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 and so then I got to that point and then it's never enough, right? And so now it's, okay, fine. So now it's freedom from bondage of self. And how can I get a free from the prison that I keep in my own mind? And I, the whole world outside, I can look like a dressed up garbage can. But if I don't feel good about who I am and my actions, I can make the best actions in the world. And some days I just have to sit with the shit because I just got that gut-wrenching feeling. And I'm like, okay, there's an energy trying to move inside of me. It's trying to show me something. Uh, Eckhart Tolle's work, amazing. He just pull, pull, pull the person away and be with the pain body and just sit with it instead of trying to... It's so easy for me. And, and we're the only you know, living species that can, you know, kick on fight or flight and a, a thought alone and through thoughts and there's no actually outside source. And then we don't somatically move our body or breathe or shake or do anything to get rid of it. We just live with it. And then, then, then it just becomes who we are. And I'm, 
why would you want to choose that? And so it takes a real man or a real woman to go in and say, I'm not doing that anymore. And that's when divorces come into place. And that's when separations and those things happen when it benefits everybody that's involved. And just because it's a minor setback doesn't mean you can step one foot back in order to take a quantum leap forward and, and, and level up a hundred different ways in your life. But if you're not willing to have the courage, I used to have a life, I used to want a life where I was happy and joy. It's not challenges where I really thrive. It's the adversity that comes in. I don't ever want a life that doesn't have challenges. I just want different challenges because that means I'm growing and maturing. And so if I have a different challenge, whether it's harder or easier, I still want to be challenged because if I'm not challenged by my kids, my relationship, my business, any of that, if I'm not challenged, I'm bored. Then I can get bored. I get complacent. And then that's the, it's the devil's playground for me. I get in trouble. And so I get angry and I get upset and I start overeating and I can watch all of those external cues to be like, oh, what's really going on inside? But if I'm not willing to sit back as a man and say, what's really going on? And most importantly, be around other men that can challenge me and say, what's really going on with you? And you've had this problem for the last three months. When are you actually going to confront it? And so I'll have a problem. It'll be a, something going on in my life and it's not really has anything to do with it. It's three, three, three you know, blocks away in my internal state and it's like, hey, that's really what you need to focus on and other men can find those blind spots for you. I'm going to go pee real quick, but I want to respond to that because I wanted, there's a specific question I have about love and challenge because it's love something it. really big. So I'll be right back. Pee faster than me. <laughs> I speeded it. I speed it. Yeah, yeah, you push it out. That's right. That's right. So that's a really interesting, this concept of challenge and that you thrive in challenge because a lot of the spiritual community, you know, you have things like A Course in Miracles that supposedly calibrated really high that was all about love, right? It's about love. It's about forgiveness and it's about compassion and I'm just going to throw a couple things out there because I've actually heard people say that as weird as this might seem, that it's a sign that of course in miracles and a lot of this work that is all about love, that it's a psyop. And the reason why they say it's a psyop is because it gets men to be docile. It gets men to be just completely, all right, we're just going to chill then. <laughs> and they don't do anything. It kind of like what you're saying. And I'm wondering what the balance is there because I don't know if we're at a point in society where we can really just sit back and is loving and just not doing anything and being completely passive. Is that really the move? You know, but then that's a whole argument, essentially. Is it better to be more loving because you're bringing people up because you're being more loving or is it better to be, you know, grounded and just uh, maybe telling people and fighting for what you believe in and truth and this kind of thing, more of the Jordan Peterson kind of archetype. So mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on a challenge versus, you know, these higher supposed spiritual teachings that, and it's not just that, right? There's many traditions that talk about love and forgiveness and where do you find the balance? I mean, it's different for every person. And so it depends on how you show up in life, in my opinion. And so what, what the way I look at love and challenge is you, to be your truth, to be my truth, I have to learn how to love myself first. And so it's so easy for me to be codependent and to just sit back and be passive. To be in a truly 
loving relationship with a significant other, doesn't matter the spouse, whatever, sexual orientation, whatever you believe in, you have to have polarity. Polarity causes passion. I should be able to be so true to my nature at my heart that I'm going to challenge myself. So when I don't have love and compassion to me, I show up like a complete asshole. I can't have the space for me. I'll never be able to have it for you. And so when you say anything, I get scared. Real men get scared, but they get scared a lot different than a little boy that I was my whole life that was always trying to. So I married somebody that mirrored, not the same. I had, she corrected me too many times. She's like, quit calling me your mother. <laughs> and so I mirrored what I, what I, I couldn't have. And that was any, uh, so I'm an anxious attachment style. My wife is a, is an avoidant. So she runs and I run to her. And so when I can run to her, but when my purpose in my life's work is bigger and deeper and more passionate, it's going to drive me to make different decisions. So you can be docile when it comes to certain situations, but you're sitting there and thinking and finding and knowing that you have the ultimate choice, which makes you not a, not a slave to anybody or anything. And you no longer have to be the person that's, that's addicted to, well, if I say this, then I, I hear it all the time. And I even had the opportunity to be some of the top three to 2% of groups in, in the country when it comes to business and men. And, and, and a lot of these guys are struggling in their personal relationships more than anything. They have the world figured out more money than they ever know what to do with or ever be able to spend but they don't have the love and they're having affairs with their secretaries or they're having, and, and so, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Well, well, my wife acts a certain way and she's super feminine and I'm super masculine. And I'm like, but wait a minute, but you don't give her pushback. You have to be able to figure out a way to know that my truth in my container is bigger than us. And, and you can say it, but when you feel it and I know going forward, and that's where people get on this edge where it's like, I love and respect my wife and I would take a bullet for her any day of the week. I would lay down in traffic for her, not even thinking twice. But when it comes to some of our decisions in our family, I give her the opportunity to voice her opinion, but I'm the one and, and I'll put anything in front of it. I have to make the right choices that I know are right. And that's where the true challenge comes in. No matter what takes place in my life, I know I, I'm going to be able to handle it. I always have and I always will. Am I going to make deci bad decisions? Damn straight I am. I hope, I hope I make more good than bad, but I'm going to fail. And when I'm okay with failing and she knows that I'm okay with failing, she, she, has, she gets comfort in it. And so it's when you have the hyper, hyper, um, they call it um, divine feminine. And I have to search for this and I have to do this. And no matter who the woman is, go for it. Do it, girl. I love and respect and I praise that. And then you get the, the spiritual hose, I call them. Um, and then you get all of the, these different things in, in, this, <laughs> in, this world, in this world where some, doesn't matter who or what you are, if you're telling your truth, I can usually pick it up and I'm really good at it. And so are you. And you could call BS on that. And some people get far out there, but I really think challenges in my marriage, in my relationship, when they're properly, I, I, I love to argue with my wife in front of my kids. And people are like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I don't raise my voice and I don't disrespect, but we can argue. 
I don't need my mom and dad threw pots and pans at each other and spit on each other and got the cops called and it was very domestic. It was terrible, right? And that's when I knew. And my wife grew up in like, like a little house on the prairie. And it was just weird. And I'm like, what are you guys doing over there? You guys like watch TV on a Sunday? Like this is this shit is weird, y'all. That's weird. And so we brought those beliefs into our marriage. And so I like to have heated discussions that are respectable. And what I show my kids is that I, doesn't matter if dad's right or wrong. I can be true to myself and I can admit, I'm like, yeah, I can't tell you how many times I'm like, yep, you're right. I was wrong. I don't mind asking for directions. I, I don't, there's nothing there. I, I want to ask for help. I don't need to know how to do everything, but I need to be able to be humble enough to ask these individuals. And that's where I draw the fine line of, I get to be challenged and super challenged in certain areas, but there's a lot of stuff that's not my fight. And, and I'll say like throw pillows, the color of throw pillows or the color of a rug. And I'm like, that's above my pay scale. I will do whatever. I'll give you my opinion, but I, I trust you in this case. Did that answer your question or did I go too far all over the place? <laughs> yeah, I kind of did. Yeah. So you see kind of a role for, for both, mm-hmm. you know, to have, would not necessarily be an extreme one way or the other, you know? But yeah. I want, but I want to, can you tell me more about these spiritual hoes? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, and I get triggered by them. Right. And, and so, um, I've done a lot of healing around my, my inner feminine, uh, and my mother wounds and things like this. Um, and those are the ones that are using spirituality to experience. And so I, I've, I've, been in like three or four different groups, um, these, these online groups and things like this that are, that are into the non-monogamy and, and all of these other, these, these different sexual polyamorous, polyamorous, all this stuff. Right. And so I've done deep dives. I've probably done more research in the past five years than, and so I firmly have a belief that a lot of individuals are using this as a crutch to not have to go inside and they're using it and, and it's demasculating a lot of men. And so the women would say, no, that's because the men aren't strong enough to handle it. And there's a lot of things going on. And so there's a lot of nakedness and a lot of things, what I think is also hurting the feminine movement. And whether women think that they need to take their clothes off and that's feminine or not feminine, I know the hardest job in the entire world for a woman is the stay-at-home mom. And so when my wife goes out of town and and I take care of my two boys, it's the hardest thing in the world. And you know what the least feminine thing in the world is? in my opinion, Hmm. being a mom. And that's actually the most feminine thing in the world, right? Like you produce this child. But in this day and age, and we talk about demasculating men and what they're doing to docile men and our foods and our testosterone and all of this stuff that's proven now is the rigidity, right? Flow, feminine flow, masculine go, like make decisions go. The hardest thing in the world for a woman to do is the mother children and still be in their feminine because it's so rigid. It's drop them off here, go here, pack their lunch, do this, get them to soccer, get them to this, get them this, get them back in bed, shower, boom, boom, boom. And there's, by the time you're done, it's like, what happened? And it's just the way society, and I like to talk about it. It's, and so to get back to your question, to not dodge your question is, is a lot of just like people have spiritual bypass, they're using this and and I think it's doing worse I think it's doing a lot worse for the community than it's doing good for the community, in my opinion. And so there, what are the specific things you think just like over-sexualizing women, over-sexualizing yes. themselves? hundred percent. Yep. 
Do I think I think women are the, are, are about ten times more powerful than men sexually? Do and, and I truly do? I mean, they can produce a child, they can have multiple orgasms, they can have sex all night. Men, you know, the 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 way that we ejaculate and how that's in we're in fight or flight and it happens so fast and its intensity in the moment and the way it is. And I do see how thousands of years ago men were afraid of that. And 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 I do see how that we change the views and perceptions of how women are we're so concerned when you think about it in the world, when you think about a certain type of a vagina or, or the labia, uh, when, 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 when you're thinking of the vault and you're thinking of all these things, we all have a certain viewpoint and everybody as they are is perfect exactly the way they are. And there's this specific archetype that we're trying to create of this is how it should be and it puts us in this form. So when these women do these things, I almost feel is when it's over-sexualized, it's almost trying to overdo something rather than just being how they are. Devil's advocate, that's who they are, right? Yeah, or, you know, it can be just a problem of men feeding into the monetary gain of women who over-sexualize themselves and then it becomes a perpetual loop because I think a lot of times women can do that for attention just as men will do things for attention as well, try to generate status and wealth. And, and for women... It might be having a lot of, you know, body stuff. And I think that, that that's a thing that works for women because men feed into it, you know? And I think that it can, it's so, it's really hard to have this conversation about this. But uh, I haven't thought about these things uh, that much. But I think for me, we need to understand that. There is a sacredness to women into the beauty of women, and it shouldn't be an object necessarily as much. It should be more focused on, um, you know, sometimes men will, you know, there's this whole movement of to keep men in lust. And then essentially what happens is that you see women as objects. And I've heard women uh, argue that. Porn, for example, is actually helping society because it stops men from doing violent things. When actually, what it does, what it does is it, it actually makes men see women as objects, because that's what they're doing when you watch that type of stuff. So, I think that there's a lot. It's a very nuanced topic, but I um. As a man, I can only say so much because I'm not in a woman's body. I don't know what it's like it, to be a woman, you know. So it is, and men's work is so strong about that. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have we have like my coach Stefanos or or John Wineland's work, and then they try to go after them. And it's we I don't have a body of I'm not a female, and I'll never be a female, no matter what kind of sex. I'll never be a I'll never fully understand that. Pornography is the worst thing that's ever happened to the world. I'm not kidding around when I say that. The, the, I've done more work. I've been addicted to pornography. I, I, I'm not addicted to pornography anymore. And it took me, I dude, I'm talking 20 years of my life where I was, a, I loved porn. Porn has a way of, of taking all the drugs in the entire world, dopamine wise, and raising it up, but it keeps you there. And what we do is we, man, oh, there's so many good books on the, the effects of porn. And then we create these things. And, and so now we're not able to be connected. And then we make women gods in our head. And that's how it gets even worse. And so when we're, when we're not able to actually show up 
and 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 look at a woman the way a woman needs to be looked at and treated oh man and so yeah is there a jealousy thing because they can they can sexualize and they can do these yes 100% it's just as bad for men i i i know probably worse for men yeah it's the question is is what is the utility <laughs> Going back to utility, what's the utility of all this? And distractions. Yeah, and that's all, that's all it is. What's the utility of men generating status or a bunch of wealth? Well, you can make an impact on the world, but if you're so concerned about status, then what kind of impact are you making, right? And then it goes back to what you said earlier. What is the overarching purpose that you have? And if it's just something super small, like, uh, not small, but if it's very specific to, I want to be this so that I have this and I can show people and prove to people that I can do it and then then I can do it and then I um, beat everybody else and it's a whole competition, but it's mm. not inspired by a, a feeling that I want to help humanity in some way, whether it can be so many ways. People think helping has to be just specific with money it can be with entertainment in certain ways can have like a lot of the content i've been doing or i have done has been humor i've been trying to get more into skits and stuff and i think it can be super helpful to getting the message through entertainment you can talk about truth i think that's one of the best ways truth can be relayed why because it doesn't trigger people when it's a skit and it's funny as much sometimes it still does comedians still have problems with all that but i think it just Finding a way to, we can still go for wealth. I think wealth in, it, in itself is not inherently a bad thing. But I think that the way that our life can have true fulfillment, especially for me, has been with the intent to help others, as well as generating this. Because I know when enough people who are integrous have wealth? I mean, what's going to happen in the world? Who has the power and influence right now? A lot of unintegrous people, obviously. A lot of narcissistic people. And so, I don't think it's going to be solved by people just loving and forgiving others and that's it. I think it's also going to be solved with people having wealth who have morals and ethics and high moral morals and ethics and they stick to those. And that involves kind of transcending this lustful way at looking at others and also you might have a sense of pride for who you are but it's not at the downfall of others right and that's Bro. what's happened for wars in history mm -hmm. that's what happened in religion throughout history and antiquity is that you had religious wars because of pride it was pride it was pride based i don't know well look at hawkins work the lowest form of vibrational frequency is lust shame right shame lust is down there Bottom three, right? Lust isn't even on the Hawkins. Technically, there is no lust. There's, so I'll tell you, I'll go through them, okay? Yeah, please. It's shame, guilt, hopelessness, grief, and grief is loss, right? And then you have fear. I haven't said these in a while, but I, I'm pretty sure this is correct. Then you have fear, then you have desire, then you have anger, and then you have pride. And so lust kind of fits into multiple different emotions because if you want to break down psychologically, what even is lust? Uh, what are you, yeah, are you asking my opinion? Yeah, yeah, I mean, lust is a 
chemical response in my body that will overreact just like addiction. It's an obsession of the mind that overpowers the body. And when a, a man or a woman is in lust, and people talk about lust in, 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 in a good way. And I think that there's a very fine line from when it goes from negative to positive, from lust to love. And there's a big difference between lusting after something. And when, so now I'm separated from it because I'm lusting for it and, instead of loving it. So when I stopped visualizing pornographic and in my bedroom, and I started visualizing and respecting her as a woman, not my possession. So I feel like it's re- when I lust after something, I want to possession it, right? And now if when I honor it and, and view it as, and that, so that pornography was the number one thing I did with pornography was I would use it to fantasize, then I would use it as possession. And so when I got, to, when I got, when I got rid of, and that's one of the hardest things in the world is to get, separate myself from the attachment of it. I can see the comments now. Two men talking about what women should be. <laughs> yes. You fucking relax in the comments, Karen. We're just trying to we're trying to help. Okay? We're trying to figure it out. We're just voicing our opinions. I know? work with more women than I do men. And Interesting. and I and I, res- and I respect I'm grateful to be a man in this world because the women have been suppressed for so much longer. Now, there's a big difference it's between true. trying trying to get them to like, to repent and all this. I I I don't want to when 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 the scales are off. Doing this doesn't fix anything, but doing this and looking at color, race, sexual orientation, identity. I don't have a zero problem with any LGBTQT plus nothing. Just don't try to change the way they're viewing things, and don't try to change the way I'm viewing things. Again, respect and love. Just don't. I don't force. need to, Yes, I just I don't need don't don't try to change my ideology. I have very conservative beliefs. Like you were talking about the sacred union, you were talking about that kind of stuff. I have friends that are more spiritually evolved in their community in their lives and they have they're swingers, right? And so What do you mean spiritually evolved? <laughs> they they they, they don't have attachment styles. Are? Yeah, they don't have attachment styles. They're able to truly look at their significant other and want them to experience other things sexually that they that they can't offer. They are able to love without attachment and say, this is this is not, this is my partner. And when I first started hearing that, I'm like, is that a gay or lesbian thing? I didn't understand it. And now people just like some people get offended when they're like, that's my wife or that's my husband. It's possession, right? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute here. I'm not possessing anything. That's just what it says on like the certificate. I didn't know. Like I, I, I didn't know. I'm sorry I offended you. And when, and when they started saying those kinds of things, and these people are, this again, it's my perception of them. And then there's the other ones that are using it to bypass. I don't ever fucking apologize for offending people. I don't. I, don't I, I can't. You can't. I say one thing. And it, you could say anything and it offends someone. I can't worry about what's going to offend people. I think that that's a trap that we could fall into too. It's just say how you feel. If it offends them, it's not your issue. I mean, if you're saying it from an integrous standpoint, if you're just saying it, you have a wife and it's offending, dear God. I mean, come on. Like what? Like people obviously, that's a whole nother tangent. But I think that uh, what I wanted to hit on was you're talking about earlier, but you thought polyamorous was actually negative. And now you're saying that swinging is more spiritually evolved. So can, can you walk me through how you see no, that? I'm not, saying, I'm not saying either way. Okay. I'm just saying that, that, that's just a belief. Good, their bad, belief. and different. Yeah, their belief. Okay. I'm asking so, what but, you think. 
I think it has its right re, uh, specific reasons okay. um, to to go both both ways. I think truly, if the person, so I I also believe that when it comes to a marriage, whatever works for you is beautiful to work for you. And so, what do you mean work I, though? Whatever whatever works for them, whether they're committed, whether they they bring people outside of their bedroom in, whether they whether they stay married for their entire lives and don't experience. And there's different forms of cheating too. So some people, and it's called like covert contracts, right? And so in my marriage, and so a lot of people, Mallory and I have been together for 17 years, right? And so we've been together for a long time, married for 12. And so when, when, when you look at it, there wasn't a lot of life that we experienced as adults outside of that. So everything that we've uh, uh, brought into our marriage is just our, our customs that we just thought in our, everything that we've done. And so when people get together, they bring their ideas and we have these, these beliefs that we're not aware of, but that we just do. And so when you bring the, all of these in from a, from a higher level into your committed relationship, if it, everybody's views and opinions are going to be different. And so as long as you guys can get together on it, and be in the same union. Some people think that um, that uh, pornography is cheating. Other people think that mm-hmm. as long as you wear a condom, it's not cheating. And so there's different levels to this, and hmm. it's yeah, it's wild. When you get in, when you get, <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> That's interesting. Yes. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's different for every group, for every yeah, couple. I, for- and so I have almost realized that in my personal kind of endeavors is. I can tell you what I think is correct yep. for in the world, but there's a lot of people that don't, and I don't say I have the ultimate truth either, but people I've seen in my own life that I don't, I don't truly learn until I actually go for it and experience it myself. So if I tell you that I'm not hype about this type of relationship, and I mean like, I don't mean like the what the people are, I mean who you're in a relationship with in terms of how many people or the, you know, these things like this, I can tell you what I think, but I think sometimes it takes people doing it to realize that that's not for them. Like people sometimes might get scared to be like, Oh, well, it's not going to work because of this. And sometimes maybe you just have to see and explore yourself. Why that's not correct or why it's not right for you. And so I think as a society, there still needs to be a level of, We need to continue to, I think at the forefront of my concern for humanity right now is we need to have, a, we need to be above the line of creating more people than not creating more people. Agreed 100%. Or, or else eventually we're not going to have people anymore. So yep. I think we need to also just understand that, hey, the human species has got to continue on or it would be probably nice to continue on. So let's think about how, what that means for us as a species and yes. if we can have that at the forefront and, and I, I, I don't know what those numbers are right now but I think that that's important too you know? I agree I agree 100% with that yeah so I'm not even trying to say what I think is right for everyone but I think if we study history and the rise and fall of civilizations there were a lot of kind of weird things that civilizations start to do uh, before they fall. And so I think it's important for everyone to 
not just take anyone's word for it. You know, don't take my word for it. Don't take your word for it, but to continually do research outside of echo chambers, which is sometimes what society is right now, especially in social media. Like you were saying, it gives you this dopamine. You get addicted to like mm. these short form videos. And I mean, I'm I'm a short form video creator yeah, in a lot of ways. And that's how you reach people. But I still know that it can be extremely toxic to the mind and to the psyche and to the spirit. Yeah. It's moderation and, and it's allowing yourself to know that you're doing it. And so when I caught my catch myself rolling, I almost got a car accident the other day. I don't even... I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I put myself at risk because I was like, no, I threw my phone on the ground. And I was a pissed at myself and I had to release it because I'm like, well, I almost died because I was on my phone and laughing at a funny reel because it overtook my mind. So yeah, man, it's, it's, it's moderating it, knowing what's, what's right for you. And it's right at this moment. And so I know my, my, I'm continuing to evolve and to grow when I look back and I said, I thought I knew something then. And, I, and I've experienced this as a, ch- as a child. And I want to be able to continue to, to understand or seek to understand what doesn't make sense for me today. Yeah, and I think it's okay if people don't agree with you. Yep. Like that's the thing that a lot of people are, we're struggling with right now in our society is if people don't agree with you, then there's something wrong. They get angry. But it's just like, okay, we yep. can say why we think it's incorrect. And we're allowed to have opinions. Everybody should be able to voice their opinion. And I, I don't think there should be any sort of, I think bad ideas should get taken down because people don't agree with them and they don't watch them, not because of some sort of outside thing that's just like, nah, I think we should be intelligent enough as a species to decide, hey, this probably isn't correct, you know? And so that's key. I think people have enough intelligence to decide for themselves. Yep. You know, what is right or not necessarily right or wrong, but what is helpful and harmful to them. But I also do think there is a lot of things that, you know, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, people can get manipulated by, you know. So what do you think are some of the biggest things that manipulate people in life right now? I know it's kind of a general question, but if you've got something that you think off the top of your head, you know, is it are people getting manipulated by their own emotions, by other people? Is it specific things that people think? I think it's external forces. I think it's our, our media, our marketing, and our consumption of what we think the truth is. And so you can control people. And so there's so many external sources that are controlling us. So I think the biggest manipulators is ourself. And it's ourself through secret marketing. And I, I believe, you know, this is the stuff that goes back to the, you know, the Germans from coming back from the world from World War II and fighting and being within the NASA and our marketing and our propaganda. I had friends over from Canada yesterday and, and I started talking to him about politics and he goes, no, the whole world just laughs at your politics because it's so comical. And I'm like, I thought, and so I live 20 minutes from the Windsor border. And so I go visit my friends. I cross the border. So I can see it from my house, Canada. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a completely different world. I mean, everything's different there. And, and there's like, you know, 15 miles or something from, from the, and, and so it's what we're fed and it's what we believe in. And so everything that I believe in is subject to change. And if I can't truly buy that and I can't sell myself on that own process, guess what? Then I am the one that's being manipulated. Woo! All right, man. Well, I got one more question for you. Yes. If it was, um, if this was your last time talking to anyone ever, 
I think you might have answered this before on the last one, but I want to hear it again because everyone changes. So if you knew this was the last time you were going to talk to humanity and it happened to be on this podcast today and maybe you actually, unfortunately, there was something that's going to happen to you after this, whatever it might be. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. Maybe you just can't communicate with humans anymore. What do you think is the most important message in your mind for humans right now on this planet? Or something that you're feeling. It doesn't have to be important. You know? Yeah, it's also simple. Stop overcomplicating it and get in touch with who you truly are. And that's what's going to make you truly miraculous. When I know how I tick, I can, I can handle anything. All right. There it is. All right. Thanks for coming on, man. Where can people find you? At Jeremiah underscore Campbell, unless you're trying to hate and then I don't exist. <laughs> All right, your link will be in the description. Uh, thanks for coming on again, brother. Uh, great talking to you.